Scripture read this evening is going to come from 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we're going to read verses 32 through 35. 1 Corinthians 7, 32 through 35. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about the worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Great to see you this evening. I thought I'd preach a sermon tonight about singles in the church, and as preachers do, I overanalyze things, and I thought to myself on the way up here, I really should have entitled this The Unmarried, because I don't know, unmarried just is more precise, but that's okay. You understand what I'm, what I'm saying when we talk about singles in the church. Um, as we think about this particular topic, I don't know when the last time was that you maybe looked at our photo directory or maybe you looked at the wall out here in the hallway, but if you just notice when it comes to people that are single, easily one third of our family units here at Katy are people who are unmarried, easily. I don't know exactly what the ratio is, but we're talking about a large group. And it's not just here at Katy, it's everywhere. Every congregation has a large number of people who are unmarried for one reason or another. It's a diverse group as well, isn't it? We have our teenagers who we're glad are unmarried still. And we have those who are older, maybe in their young adult years, and they're, they're unmarried as well, many of them, and maybe thinking about getting married. Then we have people who are in middle life. Some are divorced and some have never been married. Then we have some who are widows and widowers as they get older. And again, some who've never been married, all ages. And when you think about the diversity of the group too, lots of different needs because a lot of people are at different places in life and different challenges and different issues face them because of the experiences that they've had. So all of us as the people of God, because Jesus tells us to love one another, we need some instruction from God's word. We need to stop and think about what does the Bible say about unmarried people, about singles, especially in the church. And maybe surprisingly, the Bible actually has quite a bit to say about this subject. Let's talk first of all this evening about some realities of singleness, just some basic realities, some things to think about. Why are people single? There are a number of reasons you might give. By the way, I came across this quote in researching this particular lesson, and I thought it was really, I don't know, it, it, it's, it's very helpful to me. The quote is that society is built for right-handed people and for married people. And that's not to say you can't get along in society if you're left-handed and if you're single, but it's just a little bit more challenging. The, the research that I was doing pointed out that even in our society, single people, if you file single instead of filing jointly married, you're going to pay more taxes typically. So even tax rates are higher for people who are single. So society's built for right-handed people and married people. Why are people single? Some, frankly, are not ready to get married. 
Jesus says in Luke 14, 28, if someone's going to build a tower, let him first take an assessment and count the cost to see whether he has enough to finish. And that same principle applies to marriage. Some people are not married because intellectually or emotionally or in maturity or financially, they're not ready to be married. And those are all good reasons to not be married. I remember a man years ago telling me, I preached a sermon similar to this one, and he said, preacher, you need to tell people that if they don't have two nickels to rub together, it's not time to be saying I do. And I said, I I fully appreciate what you're saying, brother. It's this principle right here. Secondly, some people choose not to marry. Open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Corinthians 9. I want you to look at verses 3 through 5. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 3 through 5. The Apostle Paul is talking about how he's given up his liberties, the things he might have had a right to do, but he's doing this for the sake of the gospel and for the growth of the church. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 3, he says, my defense to those who examine me is this, verse 4, do we have no right to eat and drink? And then he says in verse 5, this is Paul, 1 Corinthians 9, 5, do we have no right to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord, and Cephas. Paul is saying that he and Barnabas have deliberately chosen not to marry at this point in their lives because of the work that they're doing and because they are, and he's going to say in chapter 7, we'll look at it in just a moment, he's going to say that there is some freedom and there's some blessing in being single in his circumstance. So some people choose not to marry for various reasons. Think about this. 1 Corinthians 7, 25 through 28. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but Paul says, I give my judgment, but as one by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. He says, I think that in view of, and I've got it highlighted on the screen, the present distress, there was something happening in Corinth in the years in which Paul was writing this particular letter, something happening in Corinth. And I don't know if it was a persecution or if it was a, it was a famine or what was happening. But Paul says, in the light of this present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. In other words, if you're not married, he says, under the circumstances, it's better for you to choose not to marry because you're asking for another set of troubles, another set of problems if you get married under the present distress. But if you do marry, he goes on and says, you've not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who have worry, uh, those who marry will have worldly troubles. And I would spare you that, he says. Again, the Bible is saying it's not wrong to be married. It's not wrong to be unmarried. And in the situation in which Paul found himself and the Corinthians found themselves, it was better, Paul reasoned, to be unmarried in their circumstances. And so some people choose not to get married. It's legitimate to do so. Again, some people are willing to marry but have not yet found a suitable partner. Amos 3 verse 3, can two walk together unless they are agreed, the Bible asks. There is something critically important. If you're not married and you're thinking about maybe being married one day, listen to what I'm about to say. It is imperative that you choose someone who is a faithful New Testament Christian to marry. It's imperative. And the reason why I say that is because spirituality is the foundation of everything else we do. What we believe about spiritual things, what we believe about our eternal destiny, that's foundational to everything else. And if you have that same foundation with somebody, you can walk together with that person. You can work out the other stuff. But if you got the other stuff and you're kind of similar in those things, but when it comes to spiritual matters, you're not on the same page, you're gonna have a lot of difficulties. 
And there are people in the room that can attest to what I'm saying. It can be very, very difficult. Some are willing to get married but have not yet found a suitable partner. Again, some, the Bible teaches, are not eligible to be married. Jesus says in Matthew 19, 9, here's what he says. Whoever divorces a woman except for fornication, except for sexual immorality, and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is put away commits adultery. The passage is as clear as it can be. There is no escaping the logic and the teaching of Jesus there in Matthew 19, verse 9. He's saying there are some people who are not eligible to be married. Again, in, first, excuse me, in Romans 7, verses 3 and 4, the Bible teaches that a woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives, so that if she marries another one, another man, while her husband lives, she will be called an adulteress. Again, we need to think about God's will. Some are single because they're not eligible to be married. And then some are unmarried because they're widowed. It's not by their choice. It's just the reality of life. The vows we say are until death parts us. And sooner or later, for all of us, death will part us, those of us who are married. And so some are widowed. As we continue thinking about the realities of singleness, I just wanted to list some problems that are especially acute with those who may be single, those who may be uh, unmarried. And I'm listing these problems for two reasons. Number one, to acknowledge for those of us who are single that we appreciate what you have to face and what you deal with. But number two, for those of us who maybe haven't thought about some of these things, it's important to think about those who are single and the challenges that they, they face. It's important for us to acknowledge these things. Common struggles, loneliness. I read a man who is a single preacher and he said, those who are single have a special familiarity with loneliness that those who are married can never understand. He's probably right about that. 2 Timothy 4.16, Paul talked about being lonely. He talked about being alone at his last offense. And yet he says, but the Lord stood with me. And then in Genesis 2.18, you've got that famous passage where God says, it's not good for man to be alone. We really were, brothers and sisters and friends, whether we're single or married, we were built for relationships. It's the way God designed us. And because we're built for relationships, that doesn't mean that marriage is the proper path for everybody, but it does mean that relationships are important. And loneliness can be especially acute for those who are unmarried. How about a sense of identity? Where do I fit in? If I don't have a family, if, I, if I'm alone, you know, when I come to worship services and things like that, where do I fit in? How do I have a part in the body of Christ? Jesus says in Mark 3.35, this is well worth contemplating, he says, who are my mother and brothers and sisters? He looks around at the people he's teaching. And he says, whoever does the will of God, the same as my mother and my brother and my sisters. One of the things that we need to do as the local church here at Katy is do a better job of affirming that we are family. Whether we're married or unmarried, we are God's people. We are family together. As a matter of fact, that's our theme for the year, isn't it? The family of God, God's family. How about bitterness? Naomi was bitter. She said, don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant. Call me Marah, which means bitter. For the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. She was a widow. Ruth chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. And oftentimes, because of hurts and because of pain, especially when there's been something like being widowed or being divorced, sometimes those feelings of bitterness can overwhelm us if we're not careful. The Bible warns us about that. Put those things away from you. This is not how you learn Christ, Ephesians 4, verse 31. And yet it is a real struggle for people who are unmarried often. Sexual desire. 
There is only one way in which God has given people an outlet for sexual behavior, and that is in the bonds and the confines of a God-sanctioned, God-approved marriage. 1 Corinthians 7, verses 2 through 6. In fact, Paul contemplates no other situation there. When people were struggling with sexual desire there in 1 Corinthians 7, he says, either get married or abstain. Those are your options. If, if this is something that you're just overwhelmed with, it's better to get married and, than, than to burn with passion. But I think Paul says it's better under the present circumstance to remain single because of the things that are going on in Corinth at the time. But again, it's something we struggle with. God gives grace and God gives very wise counsel in his word concerning this topic. And one of the things we can do as the people of God is be better educated personally about what the Bible teaches concerning this topic and we can do a better job teaching and talking to people individually and even sometimes in their appropriate settings about what the Bible has to teach about how to deal with this particular desire that everybody has. Another struggle, the burden of making life decisions. I'm reminded of the widow of Zarephath in 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 12. She had a little boy and they were about to make their last cake, use the last of their flour. And then the Bible says that she had decided, she had done this all on her own. She's a widow, she's a single parent. But all on her own, she's made this horrendous decision that they're gonna eat the cake and they're gonna die. And here comes Elijah into their lives. And because of a miracle, they're preserved. But there are a lot of people that are making some really critical life decisions and they're doing so alone. And if you are unmarried, let me, just, let me just say, if you are unmarried, if you're the only one who's talking to you and giving you advice, you're talking to yourself in your head, you're probably getting bad advice. Most of what you're hearing yourself say to yourself is probably not always accurate. You need some friends and some people in your life that can help you to make decisions and make judgments so that God can be honored and so that your life can be lived in a way that pleases Him. Again, those who are unmarried often face the burden of neglect or exclusion. A lot of what we plan in the Lord's church kind of caters to, you know, we have marriage seminars, we don't have singles seminars. Maybe that's something we ought to think about. But neglect and exclusion being left out, feeling like a fifth wheel, feeling out of place. Those kinds of feelings are real and we would do well as the people of God to be sensitive to the fact that this is something that people experience. Acts 6, 1 and 2, some of the widows, unmarried people, were feeling neglected in the daily ministry, the daily distribution, and the church needed to take care of that problem so that the church could continue to grow and please God. So those are some realities of singleness. The rest of the points will not be quite that long, but I thought it was important to list some of these common struggles so that we can appreciate what we're talking about tonight. Examples, just a few brief examples. Did you know that there are plenty of people in the Bible who were unmarried and with their lives, they pleased and were faithful to God. They honored him, they brought glory to him, and we are to walk in their footsteps as they follow Christ. Ruth and Naomi come to mind. Both of them widows. Ruth was a hard worker and because of the grace and the kindness that she showed to Naomi, God was able to work in both of their lives to bless the world because these two single ladies decided that they were gonna serve God and give their lives to him first and foremost. Jeremiah, turn your Bibles to Jeremiah 16 verse two. Jeremiah 16 verse two. 
Maybe you don't read the prophets as much as, as some other books in the Bible, but think about what God says to this man. Jeremiah 16, verse two. God says to the prophet Jeremiah, and there's a lot of biographical information here in Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah 16, verse one saying, Jeremiah, you shall not take a wife, nor shall you have sons or daughters in this place. So God basically came to Jeremiah and said, Jeremiah, don't get married. This is not my plan for you. On the radio, when I listen to talk radio, I hear ads a lot for matchmaking websites. And some of them are religious in nature. And they say things like this. They say, get online, subscribe to our website and find God's perfect match for you. Brothers and sisters and friends, the Bible does not say that every one of us has to get married. And the Bible does not say that every one of us will get married. In fact, the Bible does not say that God has a perfect match for us. It doesn't say any of those things. If you choose to get married, 1 Corinthians 7, you're not sinning in so doing, but it's fine to remain single. And there are some blessings about being single as well, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Jeremiah, it's better for you to be single, so don't take a wife and don't have sons or daughters. And Jeremiah said, Lord, I'll do what you say. Again, Ezekiel. Ezekiel was married, and God told him, your wife's going to die tonight, Ezekiel. And as an example to the wicked people of Israel who don't understand the gravity of what they're doing, Ezekiel, I don't want you to mourn for your wife. I heard somebody say that may be one of the hardest things God ever asked anybody to do. Ezekiel, your wife's going to die and I want you to act like everything's normal. And when people come and ask, what, are you, what does this mean, Ezekiel? Why are you acting this way? Ezekiel's supposed to preach to them about their wickedness and about how nobody's going to mourn for Jerusalem. Nobody's going to mourn for Israel when they're taken into captivity. Daniel was single. Daniel and his friends brought into captivity in Babylon. All that Daniel did, he did as a single man. Lived his life that way. Again, Paul and Barnabas that we read about just a few moments ago, two godly men, two men who blessed the church everywhere they went, who made converts everywhere they went. Barnabas' name means son of encouragement. He was the guy that you were glad to see coming to church. He was the guy that you were glad to see around. But Barnabas was a single man and so was Paul. And again, Jesus himself never married. Jesus has a bride, it's his church according to Ephesians chapter five. But Jesus never found a woman and married her while he was here. In John 19, 25 through 27 from the cross, he looked down and saw his mother and he told his disciple John to take care of her. Behold your son, behold your mother. If Jesus could live a life that pleased God, that was full and that was complete, and a life that God exalts and approves of and says, this is what I want everybody to do. If Jesus could do that and be a single man, then so can you and I. Some examples to think about and reflect on. The mission of singleness, if you are unmarried, let me suggest some things for you to contemplate. What would God have you to do? You know, we tend to treat singles, we tend to treat unmarried people, and we don't intend to do this, but we tend to treat people as if they're lacking something, as if they're in a holding pattern. You know, your, your life will get on when, when you finally find somebody and settle down and get married. But until then, you're just kind of in a holding pattern. You're just kind of waiting and things like that. And I don't believe that that's ever been God's plan. What can singles do? 
In the first place, singles are to demonstrate the sufficiency of God. God is enough. When we lived in Africa, we had a song that would sing, and I learned to translate some of the Swahili songs, but this one was especially touching. It was, it was people singing about God, and one of the lines in the song said basically, and I'm translating from Swahili here, but the line went like this, what other thing in my life could I possibly need? You, oh God, are enough for me. That was my favorite. Because I'm living in a country where people make $3 a day, and here they are saying, God, I don't need anything else. I just need you. And I believe those of us who are unmarried can sing the same song. God, I don't need anything else. I just need you. Your grace is sufficient for me. Second Corinthians 12 verse nine. Hebrews 13 verse five. I, God, will never leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that a wonderful thought to think about? No matter where we go and no matter where we find ourselves, we are not alone. Jesus, in the light of the cross, in the shadow of the cross, he says to his disciples, this very night, all of you are going to forsake me, but he says, I am not alone for the Father is with me. John 16, verse 32. Matthew 28, 20, he promises us an evangelism and this is also in every other aspect of your life as a Christian. I am with you always. And so, if you're unmarried, one of the challenges, and this goes for married people too, One of the challenges is I can demonstrate by my life that God is enough. I can be content and I can be godly and I can encourage people without constantly, constantly longing for more or for something different or for something else. It is not wrong to get married. It is not wrong to want to get married. But if you think that that's going to save you somehow from things like loneliness, there are a lot of lonely married people. If you think it's going to save you from sexual desire, there are a lot of people who really still struggle with that even though they're married. God is the one who's enough. And all of us need to demonstrate that by our lives. Secondly, what can singles do? What is their mission given by God? To demonstrate that our relationships in Christ, think about this, are more precious, valuable, and they are more permanent than families. Not everybody in our physical family, likely, will be saved. As much as we love our families, as much as we care about the people that mean so much to us, that raised us, that we raised, as much as we care about those people, we're not going to spend forever together if some people don't repent before it's too late. But the thing about the church and the thing about the family of God we can demonstrate is that our relationships in Christ are more permanent and they're more precious. This is my family. This, Jesus would say, this is who I belong to and who belongs to me. And to demonstrate that with our lives in practical ways, in the way we talk and in the way we think and in the way we relate to one another, that's a challenge, that's a mission. And God's people need to take that seriously married and unmarried. We are the family of God and God blesses us and God wants us to live as if we are family. Challenge number three, mission number three, to serve the Lord without additional anxieties. Paul says that there are some benefits of being unmarried. There are some good things about it. And those who are unmarried need to think about this particular point. 
He calls it in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 7, a gift. A gift is something that is precious, that is valuable. And I want you to read with me carefully. I'm going to put it on the screen. What he says in 1 Corinthians 7 verses 32 through 35. I'm going to break it down. In verses 32 through 33, this is the passage that Boone read just a few moments ago. I want you, Paul says, to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. That's all he has to think about. I'm God's servant. I'm God's slave. I've been washed in the blood of the lamb. And all I have to do with my life is to serve and to please the Lord. But the married man, he's got some additional concerns. He's anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, which is not a bad thing. As a matter of fact, you can grow up a lot into Christ-likeness by being married. The relationship between a husband and wife is like the relationship between Christ and the church. And Jesus, God shapes us into the image of Jesus through marriage. But those who are married are anxious about worldly things, how to please their wives. And his interest, he says, is divided. Not in a bad way, but just he's not as focused on some of the things of the Lord that the single man is able to focus on. And then he goes on and talks about women in verse 34. An unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. She's thinking about those things. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her her husband. I say this, he says, for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you. In other words, don't take this as being, you know, you've got to do it Paul's way, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. I want the church, Paul says, to think about the fact that there are some benefits and blessings that unmarried people enjoy that others do not. And we would do well as the church to think about those principles as well. Mission number four, claim the promises of God. I like this one. In Isaiah 56, verses three through five, God makes a promise. It's a promise in the Old Testament, but I believe it carries forward into the New Testament based on the things that Jesus says about becoming part of God's family. Incidentally, physical families grow because of marriage and procreation, and that's the way God designed us be fruitful and multiply. But God's spiritual family does not grow that way. God's spiritual family grows because we teach the gospel, people receive it and obey it. And that's how God's family grows. And single people especially have an opportunity to claim some promises about growth and about heritage, even in the word of God. Watch this, Isaiah 56. Isaiah writes, He's talking about people that are, that are outside of the community, outside of the family. He says, let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch, that's someone who is not going to get married. Let not the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. I have no heritage. I have no family. Don't, don't say that, Mr. Eunuch. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant. In other words, the single people among us in the Old Testament, the, the single people who are faithful and serve God with their whole heart, I will give, God says, in my house and within my walls, a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. That's the promise. I'm going to do some things for you that are better than even having a family and sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. There are some New Testament applications of that promise. 
One of the best things you can do if you are unmarried is to become a Christian and to be part of God's family and to live as God's family. There is an abundance of blessings to be found, a heritage to be found, even though you're unmarried, according to the Bible. So those who are unmarried have a mission. There are more things we could say about this. Lastly, though, tonight, some reflections for the church. I didn't want to finish this lesson without talking to all of us about some of these matters. What do we need to consider? Number one, in the Lord's church, both here at Katy and around the world, we need to be more intentional about connections and relationships. Galatians 5.14, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We are to love one another. We're to love people. We need to be intentional about connections and relationships. It's part of what we're doing with evangelism and sync. It's part of what we're trying to do in reaching out to our community, but it's also about how we connect with one another. We need to be more intentional about that and thoughtful about it and prayerful about it. Secondly, <clears throat> among the people of God, we need to keep marriage in its proper place. Hebrews 13, 4, let marriage be held in honor among all. The bed be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers. God will judge. Hold marriage in its proper place. It's a good thing. Proverbs 18, 22, whoever finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. But if you don't find a wife, that doesn't mean that you're somehow cursed or that you're somehow lacking or that somehow you're just in a holding pattern, circling the runway, waiting for your ship to come in. That's not the way it works. That's not what the Bible teaches. And therefore, as the people of God, can I just ask, let's avoid, if we can, an emphasis on matchmaking and dating. As someone who was once a single man, I can tell you, I didn't really appreciate when I was younger people that tried to matchmake with me. I just really didn't. If, if I wanted somebody to, to, to maybe help me start a conversation with somebody, okay, I might ask them to do that, but people that just volunteered those kinds of things. And I would suspect that most of our young people, younger people that we think maybe ought to think about getting married, I would suspect most of them feel similarly. You might ask them before you start matchmaking. There doesn't need to be an emphasis on that among the people of God. It's a good thing to get married. It's a blessing from God. But there are other ways to serve and please the Lord that are legitimate. And there are some blessings and advantages to living that way. The Bible teaches that. Next. We need, as the people of God here in Katy, to open our eyes and appreciate the single servants among us. There are a lot of them. 1 Corinthians 12, 21 through 23 talks about how the body has many members and every member has a function and a role and a part. And if you just open your eyes and look around, there are some people that are single, that are unmarried among us, who are doing some magnificent and wonderful works. And we're thankful for you. We're thankful for what you do. And we need to hold up their hands and encourage them. And we need to be more intentional about involving unmarried people in ministry of various kinds because they are not encumbered by a marriage, the way Paul would say it. There are some things that they may be able to give more time and attention to. Ephesians 4.16 talks about how the body, every joint supplying, every part supplying something, the body edifies itself and grows in love. And then this reflection. We ought to be considerate of children of single parents. I put this in the lesson because 
it's a special kind of difficulty for someone who's trying to soldier on alone. You think about what Paul says about Lois and Eunice, the mother and grandmother of Timothy, 2 Timothy 1 verse 5, or what we talked about last week in James 1 27, to care for widows and orphans in their distress. There are some major life decisions that single parents are having to make, and oftentimes they're making them alone, and sometimes they're making them, and their ex is causing all kinds of problems and giving all kinds of pushback. We can be sensitive, and we can listen, and we can reflectively listen and help in some situations like that, and we can be considerate of children in those situations as well. Some of you do a wonderful job of reaching out and noticing those among us who just have one parent, and I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for what you do because that is Christ-like too. The church needs to pay attention. We need to reflect on these matters because God says it's a good thing, it's a blessed thing to be married. But God also says it's a good thing and it's a blessed thing to be single. Last thing, teach and model how to build close relationships. You know, last thing I'm going to say, people struggle in this area, especially now because we are so isolated as a culture. We go home behind our four walls and we are alone with our thoughts. And because that's true, the, the practical tools that maybe in previous generations that were just kind of naturally communicated to others, those kind of get lost and have been left by the wayside. And as the church, we can be more intentional about doing this teaching and modeling for people how to build close relationships with others. That doesn't mean that you have to be different from who you are. What it does mean is that God says, God says, whatever talents and abilities and gifts God has given you, that we do need to invest in other people. We do need to love other people. That's important as well. Reflections for the church. Thanks for listening to the lesson this evening as we think about unmarried people, singles in the church. The Bible has a great deal more even than what we've talked about tonight to say about this matter. But I hope this has helped us to think about and will help us to pray about and be sensitive to some of the needs that are unique to those who are unmarried. And if you are unmarried, live your life right now as if this is the life God's given you to live. Don't, don't suspend decisions and to suspend all kinds of things that you might do in the Lord's service because you're waiting for somebody to come along and change it all. Don't do that. Live your life, serve God, please Him. Do those things and God will take care of the rest. For good, He will bless you. Maybe you're here tonight, you're not a New Testament Christian. If you need to respond to the gospel, you want to put on Christ in baptism. There's no better time than the present. If you need to respond and ask for prayers tonight, whatever your need is, why don't you make your way forward while together we stand and while we sing.